Baruchim Abayim, and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with special guests tonight. We have with us Rabbi Daniel Barron from Eretz Hakodesh. Shalom. Welcome, Rabbi. Rabbi. How are you doing? I'm doing Gavaldic. Originally from Queens. Originally from Queens, that's right. And shout out to my dear, dear friend, I guess, for lack of better words. You're a Halika Holy Father of Heshi Shalita. Shikar for everything you do for Klal Yisrael. So, uh, Rabbi, tonight we're going to be speaking about uh, a very interesting and exciting topic, which is Pesach and the... Holy language, Lashon Kodesh. Before we do that, if we could uh, get a little bit of background about the rabbi and the great work you're involved with. Yeah. Um, no. So, so, you know, there's a lot of things anybody could say about their background, but I don't want to bore you with facts. <laughs> I, I think the exciting part of my background in Chinuch is um, when I met my Rebbe, Ramesh Shapiro Zatzal. Um, and I was about 18 years old. And I barely spoke Lashon Kodesh or anything. And, you know... It, I didn't know. I was at a one of the better Shana Aleph Hashivas in Eretz Yisrael, uh, but I was still very much Amerikai. And someone gave me, they used to have these things called tapes with like reels that turn. There was like no USB. So <laughs> someone gave me one of those round things, you know, and I, I listened. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And um, Ramesha then had given what is now the famous shear, which began at Or Sameach, Thursday night shear, 35 years or something. And I went to this year, and I was, I was blown away. I was blown away. And the thing that got me was that Rav Meisha took my Mari Chazal, took the Maris that I'd heard all my life, but, but he, he breathed new meaning into them. You know, there's two kinds of Chiddush. There's a Chiddush, oh, I never heard that before. I'm out of left field, never heard that. And then there's, I've been saying this bracha all my life. And I realize I have absolutely no idea what it means. Right? Go to people in the base matters and ask them, what does the word Tivare mean? How many of them will be able to answer it or explain what that Pusik means? So, you know, so, so Rav Maisha gave a shear on Yaakov and Lavan. And he explained why Lavan's name was white. Yeah, Lavan is white. Yeah. Why is Lavan white? And he explained Lavan, Lavan is Lavan Ha'arami, Lavan is a Shakran. The, the beauty of white is that white is essentially a background color. It doesn't say anything. It makes other things stand out. But white always fades into the background. As a matter of fact, and Ravosha used to always say this, if you take all the colors and you put them in a color wheel and you spin it really fast, you will see white. So the idea of lavan, ha'arami, is that lavan always makes everything in the background. Hmm. <laughs> because I, I said it today. But I'm not mitchayev. doesn't obligate me. Why? I said it today, so tomorrow is something else. Because he always reverts to being white. He's the exact opposite of Titan Emes Liyakov. Which, by the way, and I heard this from Moshe too, you know, in love and garati, v'tar yag mitzvah shamarati. So one shot is afal pi, that I live with love on, also, you know, v'tar mitzvah shamarati. But the other thing, and the Maral actually says this, he says, when you put two opposites together, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to blend or they are going to become more extreme in who they are. So because Yaakov was in base love and in love and garti, that's why Taryag mitzvah shamarti. So ironically, love and harami, whose total sheker is the reka, that's the backdrop against which Yaakov, whose shachar love and black and white emerges, which explains another thing. Right, you know, for those who open up a chumash and have absolutely no idea going on. So there's a basic assumption in Torah 
people don't say incredibly stupid things. If it sounds like they said something incredibly stupid, then you need to read it again. So Yaakov Avinu runs away and Lavan runs after him. And then Lavan comes to Yaakov and he says the most ridiculous sounding thing. Like, try this in a court of law. Yaakov works, he negotiates a deal meticulously. He gets married, and if anyone can claim that he earned what he, you know, bargained for, it was Yaakov Avinu. And then Lavan says, um, you know, Habanim banai, habanais banaisai, the sons are mine, the daughters are mine, you know, um, everything is mine. It's all mine. What kind of stupid thing is, like, you know, what do you mean? What, did, what was he trying to say? It can't mean that after all the negotiations and the back and forth and the speckled and the spatter and the brown and the spotted and, and, and working for so many years that Lovin really thought that he owned everything and Yaakov owned nothing. What was he saying? So Ramesh explained. Lovin said, because I'm such a crook, that's why you're such a tzaddik. Mm. You owe me. <laughs> because I was so rotten, I made you more of an extremist. You owe me. You're mine. Wow. I'm the reason that you're so great. It's kind of like I used to live in a neighborhood in Yerushalayim called Givara Miftar. And I was a rental. And nobody lived there. But we rented there in the beginning. And every real estate agent would point at that house and said, Haredim lived there. <laughs> and because of that... I couldn't afford to buy the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm the reason that that Givada Miftar became so expensive. Uh, but oh so often, Lahavdil. So Ramosha said, I'm like, well, that makes sense. It, it has to be that if someone's name is Lavan, then white is something essential. Later on in life, I heard Zara talks about the upper Lavana, Elion, Lovana, Elion. I don't even know what that means. But, but, but this type of approach to Tyra is incredible because. It, it reinvented things that I knew and I should have known. Later on, I heard Shuram and Yaakov and Yudake, another topic. So over the years, I was Zeicha to, to keep in touch, close, to have a kasher with him. Um, and, and eventually, when I moved to Eretz Yisrael, I, I wrote up the Shuram. First, I did it low profile. And as it gathered speed, I, I had a relationship with Ramosh. I was very nervous about anything being written up. And, you know, I said, listen, the Rav wants, I'll stop. And he said, no, I want you to do it, and I want you to keep doing it, but I want you to only share it in a way that you think that I would, be, I would feel appropriate. Mm-hmm. And eventually, with the years, I, I ended up driving him, and you know, I taught in his yeshiva. I, I'm not one of these people, I'm not going to be one of the millions of people saying, oh, I was so close with Rav Moshe. <laughs> but Rav Moshe knew that I cared about what he wanted, and uh, I was like to, to you know, get my questions taken seriously, and uh, to, to learn from him for 20, 26 years. Amazing, amazing. And wow. uh, so, so I still write up those weekly shiurim of Maisha. I used to try to get them out before Shabbos. They have, they have been. So there's a website that, the, that was created with the Rishus of the Mishpacha called lehavin.org. You could find all the shiurim. Came out all the Thursday night shiurim there with and the with the Mara Mekayimis. So if you're looking for something. Um, so a lot of people just email me. Uh, but if you're looking for something or a specific to- topic, it is an amazing resource to find it. And you can hear it. I, I highly encourage people who haven't even met Rav Moshe, just listen. Uh, again, I, I won't use the words that Rav Moshe used himself to describe learning from a tape uh, but, um, or a recording. But it is something. Because he was an amazing darshan. He, he had... He, 
he had a certain mystery and clarity at the same time. Mm. He was a fantastic storyteller. My friend who was here a few weeks ago, Rabbi Dorbert Orlovsky, was made that nobody could tell a joke perfectly like Rav Moshe. Imazaya Haskava. All you have to say is Rabbi Orlovsky. Imazaya Haskava. Right? And, and Rav Moshe also, I once told Rav Moshe, I'm going to Italy with, with Rabbi Orlovsky. He said, and he had just given a shir on, on uh, the Plishtim in Leitz Ador. So he goes, ah, who be'emet echad me Leitz Ador? Anyway, so, but um, he was a very special person. So everything that I, I you know, knew, I was learned in yeshivas, and, and um, you know, later on was in the mirror and became closer with Rabbi Berkovitz, and I was in his kola many years. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still Baruch Hashem B'Kesher. But Rav Meishe was my, my Rebbe, and... Um, my goal is to share his derech because that's what today's doors need. Doors needs. Amazing, amazing. You know, Chazal look. We read these Chazals, especially if you translate them literally. They look like I don't want to say mother goose stories. Yeah, but they're not. They're deep mishalim. That's right. And uh, when we were discussing before about the topic, we were like automatically saying, "Oh, Pesach is coming. You know, let's do Passover." Uh, and then uh, you showed me this amazing new sefer that you published, "A Taste of Maral." Uh, available in all Jewish bookstores. And uh, you show me how there's so much depth into the Hebrew language, into the Hebrew alphabet, into the Lashon HaKodesh. And I'm like, maybe we should speak about that. And the rabbi's like, we can speak about both. And I'm like, no, no, Torah talks is one topic. He's like, it's one. And the rabbi, how do you connect Lashon HaKodesh, the, the holy language, and the upcoming holiday of Pesach? So that, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. That's easy. HaKolechat. Think, think about who Kalal Yisrael is. The, Pesach is about the birth of Kalal Yisrael coming into being. And of all the ways that Chazal describe Golis, exile, they call it the exile of something called Dibur, speech. Moshe's speech is an exile. Kalal Yisrael's speech is an exile. Zohar says this explicitly. Moshe Rabbeinu, the savior of the Jewish people, you expect him to be some great orator and super speaker. Yeah, the Torah says he's a Ra'al Sfasayim. He is Kvad Pe Kvad Lashen. He could not speak clearly. Right. He needed Aaron to be his speaker. So, so the whole thing about Pesach is the inability to speak and speech expresses oneself. Now, the irony is that even though we couldn't speak, one of the things that saved us is that even though we didn't quite get it, we had Lashon HaKadosh, that the Jewish people preserved their ah, names, right. their Lashen, language, Lashenam, and their Lavush. So Lashon HaKadosh is what preserved us, and ironically, throughout the years, you had Yidin who didn't really understand Lashon HaKadosh, but they continued to pray in it. Wow. And, and that's why you can walk into a shul in a country you've never been to, and you sit down and, and you pray. I was once, um, you know, I heard a complaint from uh, a reform group because they came to Israel, so they went to a Reformed temple to pray. And they said, this is ridiculous, they're praying in Hebrew. Because they assumed that every Reformed temple prays in English. I don't know what they do. You know, I'm not here to plug yeah. this. But it's saying, the thing that connects us to Emes is Lashon HaKadosh. So how does that work? So if you think about it, first of all, Pesach, what does Pesach mean? So the Sfas Emes says again and again and again. Pesach, there are many Makars, is Pesach, the speaking mouth. If Mitzrayim is being subject to Mitzarim, boundaries, boundaries wow. that close you in, that means you can't express yourself. 
Yitzias Mitzrayim is breaking those bounds and being able to say and speak who you are. And the core language of Klai Yisrael is Lashon HaKodesh, which we'll get to in a minute. And you think about it, Klai Yisrael gets to the point where the Torah says, Oz Yashir Moshe Bnei Yisrael, that all of Bnei Yisrael in unison somehow says this beautiful um, song of praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, full with, filled, replete with prophetic uh, references. And the same Moshe Rabbeinu, who says to God, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how could I go to Paro and plead for the Jewish people? I'm an Aral Sfasayim, how could I speak to the Jewish people? I can't even talk. That same Moshe, later on the Torah, is the one who authors a book. And it says, Vayedaber Moshe. And the Medrash says, that Moshe, who was Kvad Pe Kvad Lashon speech impaired, eventually was able to explain and to speak the entire Torah. Because our Gullus, our exile, is being fettered and unable to talk and unable to express ourselves. And our Geula, our redemption, is being able to say who we are. Now, why Lashon HaKadosh? Why not Swahili? <laughs> or, or English? Or Yiddish? Right? <clears throat> so... This is another topic. But Lashon HaKadosh was always with Kala Yisrael, and it was, according to Chazal, the original language of the world. The whole world was Safa Achas Udvar before the Tower of Babel. Um, one language. And there, the Mepharshim say that one language was Lashon HaKadosh. After that, that Safa Achas Udvar was lost. All the languages were scrambled, except Chazal say it remained with one individual. It says in the Pasuk about Avram, Echad Karasiv, I called him one. That Safa Achas, that unified language, remained with that person who was called one. And it was with Avraham, and he passed that legacy on to his children and ultimately to Klai Yisrael. Wow. So the depth of who we are is in Lashon HaKadosh, which is, of course, the Isios, the letters and the words and the Psukim of the Torah. And our birth as a nation was about... Pesach, the Dibur of Klal Yisrael, the ability to go, to leave, to express ourselves. And all of the mitzvahs are about speaking. Kan haben shoel. And if nobody is a ben, you say it yourself. Lisaper Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It doesn't say to write about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the writing, you know. It doesn't say to murmur. It doesn't say to sing. It's to talk, to reveal. Lisaper is to reveal. To unfurl the Nagolu Kasefer Hashemayim, the heavens will be revealed. The Sefer's Misapet reveals. It's all about Dibur and the mitzvahs are Dibur. If somebody doesn't say this, that, and the other thing, he's not Yitzik, which is not even literal, by the way, because you could probably be Yitzik according to most. All the places can say, How could that be? You probably can fulfill your obligation without saying those things. But why do we say it that way? Because that's what the Haggadah, Magid, it means to speak. Right? We, fo- we Jews focus on the eating, which I feel like Marilovsky says, <laughs> right? It, it's all connected to the mouth. The eating. Ah, the mouth. <laughs> no, no Marilovsky is like, oh, summary of Jewish... I, you know, I love quoting it, but you know, he always does about it. Summary of Jewish history, right? Well, we're, we're very happy, and then we get too comfortable, and then somebody wants to kill us, and then God saves us, and then we have a festival and we eat. <laughs> That's like, you know, Jew- the cycle of Jewish history in a nutshell. So yeah, there are a lot of mitzvahs of eating, but it's seaport. That's who we are. Lush Now, this is a long-winded answer. 
to a short question. Yeah, but yeah. I hope it responds. Very, very, very amazing, uh, beautiful connection. And you know, to add to that, being that it's a Torah talk, in the Haggadah we say Chacham, the wise one, Mahu Omer. You know, the breakdown of Rabbi Vazia says that's how he he would say is is. Uh, how do you tell an individual who he is? It's by his speech, the way he speaks. So he breaks down like this, Chacham, and wise person, Mahu, who is he? Omer, the way he speaks. Rashad, the wicked person, Mahu, who is he? Omer, with the word that a person speaks, you could tell the inside of a person. So the power of speech, and I get this a lot, Rabbi, and I was wondering uh, your opinion on the matter, is um, the topic of Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language, and uh, the language of Hebrew or Hebrew. Uh, is that one? Is it the same? Is it not? Uh, there's uh, this <laughs> discussions is, about this. It's a an lot. amazing question. So, so you know, because because I, I mentioned that Lashon Hakodesh is the language of the Jews. Right. You know, what does it mean? Is it the holy language, the holy tongue? What is it? So, and, and what is modern Hebrew? So, I'll start by by saying modern Hebrew because it speaks for itself. So, modern Hebrew has to come up with words that understandably describe things that are. Uh, more contemporary, and sometimes there are very strange results. You know, uh, some of my personal favorites, uh, there's an infinitive in Hebrew called lefasbek, to Facebook somebody. The, the, the sign, the at sign, you know, in an email address is called the strudel, because it looks like a strudel. In a car, you know, the, the back axle of a car is called a back axle, and the forward axle of a car is called a back axle code me, a forward back, back axle. You know, and uh, a flat tire is called a pancher, which is a mispronunciation of puncture. The, the squeegee in the floor, someone made up the word sponge. Sponge, yeah. It happens to be, I tried it on an Italian. Nobody knows what that means. It's an Israeli word. So there are certain like invented modern Hebrew words. And, you know. Ketchup in Hebrew is. Huh? Ketchup. Ketchup in Hebrew is ketchup. ketchup. <laughs> but uh, of course, the the uh, the Heinz label says Heinz, the most popular ketchup in Israel, because it <laughs> outsold Osem. Uh, but the the interesting thing is, there was a gentleman named Eliezer Ben Yehuda, and some of the things that he did. Everybody says he was so creative. Look, he did revive use of a language that had been out of use for thousands of years, and that is truly remarkable. But some of the things that he did are very either suspicious or or just reckless. For instance, you know what the Hebrew word for jam is or jelly? Uh, riba. Riba. You know why? Why? Because it's a Gemara that says a whole drasha. It has a whole expounding on words in the Pasuk. And it says, my riba, what does this come to include? And the Gemara answers, michyat perot, crushed fruits. So he just looked at one part of the Gemara and says, what is riba? Crushed fruits. <laughs> and that's just... That is professional irresponsibility. Then my Rabbi Ramesh Zatzal said there are certain things that he did that were unforgivable. For instance, there used to be a thing called a blackboard that you wrote on with chalk. Right. Now there are markers. Now there are smart boards. It was bad my days, believe it or not. You know, <laughs> For all now you press a button. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this thing that you write on and then you erase and then you write on, what's the word for that in Hebrew? You know? um, help me out of here. Luach. 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 It's called a luach. Calendar. Calendar as well. But a luach is what you put on the wall. Blackboard. A blackboard was a luach. That's okay. the word for it. Now, a luach is made to be written on and erased. That's what the blackboard is. Rav thought this was an intentional 
twisting of the truth. Because if you think of luach in Torah, write them on the luach of your heart. Luchos. What are the luchos? There's something that you don't just write on and then erase and write something else. You engrave. Wow. You carve and it can never be erased. It says in Matan Torah that Bizman that the Torah was embedded in a Yisrael's hearts. It's it, you, the medium and the message become one. To take the word luach and then just erase it away, forget it. Wow. And then another one is the word chashmal means electricity, right? So people open up, you know, there's this very, you know, the Maisim recover, most people have to sleep in Israel anyway when you read it in the morning, you know, Shavuos. But it's the story of Hashem's revelation in the world and it says, you know, uses the word chashmal. So an average Israeli would say, oh, electricity. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't, whatever it means, it doesn't mean that. It means, chash means, means silent, and mal means speaking, chashmal, but, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean electricity. To take a word and make it a commonplace word where it means the loftiest things in Kabbalah, the Ramesha had the same feeling about the word matzlema, camera, or tzelem. Tzelem elokim. It doesn't mean a physical image. It's much deeper than that. So the modern Hebrew in everything is a travesty. That said, the remarkable miracle Athalpi King is that it is somewhat close that I can go to an Israeli on the street and tell him some of these things about Lashon HaKadosh and he'll get it. Right. right. Which is, by the way, how I think the ghoul is going to come out. Maybe we just have to make it happen that way. But every Israeli knows it's true once you show him this because he knows it. The only problem he has is he thinks it's true in every other language. Right? He, because in Israel, a mafteach, key, is poteach, a pesach. So he thinks that in America it's the same way. But no, you have a key that opens a door. Right. He doesn't understand the depth of, 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 of everything. So, um, now what is Lashon HaKadosh? So our, our G'daylam tell us, and the Svarim tell us, that Lashon HaKadosh is a language that doesn't describe something from the outside. It speaks of the essence. It reveals the essence. It doesn't dance around it. It tells you what the thing is. Like I can. It's over here. Adam. Come from Adama. Exactly. Yes. And that's the essence of Adam. It's not a descriptive word that comes from the outside. And, and we don't get this because we live in a world of fabricated world, words. Where's the word canola come from? You know? Canola oil. Canola oil. It sounds Italian. Rigatoni for the chini pasta canola marinara rigatoni. But no, canola is for fabricated word. Canola is from the mustard seed, and it was uh, created in a lab in the 1970s by scientists who wanted to lower the acidity in in mustard or rapeseed oil. So it stands for Canadian oil low acid. Canola <laughs> viola, right? But it doesn't mean anything. That's you know. But in Lashon HaKadosh... The depth of Lashon HaKadosh, wow. Vaccine. Vaccine. You speak another language? Uh, right. Yeah. Espanol. Uh, Vaca. Vasha is a cow in French. Vaca is a cow in, in uh, uh, Italian. Um, the, uh, the vaccine was discovered originally through a disease called cowpox. You can figure out the details. They're Yeduim Lev, Sefer... But they figured out how the concept of vaccine came from cows or a disease called cowpox. And the word vaccine comes from the word cow. Vaca, vaccine. But it doesn't tell you what it is. In Lashon HaKadosh, everything is essential. 
If something is a kisei, that's what it is. If an adam, and, and chazal say, Hashem said to Adam Rishon, call this, that. He gives names to everything. And when he says, I am Adam, that means that essentially you can sit there and ponder the word Adam. And every meaning that you come up with is going to have meaning. It's going to have that. Aleph Dam, I rule over the blood within me. Adama, um, I am like the ground because the ground today is nothing, but it has the potential to bear fruit. Also something that the Maral says, uh, which, which uh, you'll, you'll find in the Sefer. Adame, Adame le'elion, which is a Pasuk. I will liken myself to Hashem. Only the human being has the ability to do it. A cat can't. Just in the word Adam. So every word in Lashon HaKadosh, the real Lashon HaKadosh, is essential. It means something. And if you've got a connection between a name, Lavan, and a person named Lavan, it has to be real. So, so that's now, now we don't know what this is, and we also we lost so much of Lashon Hakodesh. There are things that we don't know. We don't know what a rhinoceros was called in Lashon Hakodesh. The Israelis came up with the word karnaf, which is the connection of Karen and Af. We don't know the real word for it. There are other words, the animals, that we do know the real word. So we've lost it. But in theory, if we did, we would know everything about the world. We would be able to cure diseases, we'd be able to solve problems, we'd know all the basics of physics. Because if you understand the periodic table and the elements and how they work and how all the molecules, how all the elements bond together to form molecules and those molecules have different effects when they combine together in reactions, the same thing is true of the letters of the Aleph base. We just don't have access to it. Amazing. So uh, I was reviewing the book and I'm thinking to myself, there's so many many books out there on the Maharal. And uh, what makes a taste of Maharal Stick out. What makes this different? I, I, I'm so glad you asked that because it brings together everything that we said. See, the, the challenge of the Maral is that the Maral had a very particular writing style and also a context. The Maral lived in the height of the Renaissance and technology, and he was addressing certain things that don't bother us today that the way that it did then. So the, the most tempting thing to do when you're approaching the Maral is to do what you do with every other safe, which is translate it. Right. It doesn't work. <clears throat> and then also, you can't just look at the moral, what he says here. You've got to know what he says there. So if you translate it, it won't be accurate. So I worked on this for quite a while, and I, and I had a Messiah. And what, I, what happened was I was approached by an individual, a tzaddik named Rav Mendel Brachfeld, a person who lives in Brooklyn, who has, is very much connected to the Torah of the Maral. My friend Zalmi Rosenberg wrote a, a whole bunch of svarim called Mishnas Maral. There's a Haggadah on Mishnas Maral. And Remendel came to me and said, I want to taste the Maral. I don't want one of the svarim. I want people to read something and understand what Maral does, what it's about. Now, I didn't want to do something superficial because I'm not capable of doing that. Maybe it's a chisarim. But Mitzat Sheni, I wanted something accessible. So I worked hard and I picked through different topics on the Maral and I explain them in English in a way that a reasonably intelligent person can understand, but you don't have to have much of a background. And I explain what the Maral says, but because it isn't verbatim, and I think it's wrong to do it verbatim, I put most of the original chorus in the footnotes, the sources, in Hebrew. In Hebrew. So if you're one of those people, you don't have to admit it, who <laughs> says, you know, I've been in the base Medrash, and it's like, you know, I do shots and post game, but I don't know, morale, I can't do it, I haven't done it, and that's for those other people. But maybe I would be curious if I try, and every time I open it up, my eyes glaze over, um, this is for you. Because 
the, the goal here is to give you a taste and leave you with more. And, and it is unique because it's based on a Messiah. It is something that I worked on. I'm embarrassed to tell you how many years I won't, but <laughs> more than five and six. And, and um, you know, it, it, it adapts the Maral in a way that makes it accessible. And the secret of the book is if you read more and more of it, you can pick up and read any chapter as a standalone. And each one, with few exceptions, three or four pages. But if you read more and more, you'll see that everything clicks with everything else. And that there's really a system. And this is really what Rav Moshe did for me, because he was the one who introduced me to Maharal. And it brings out the depth of Lashon HaKadosh. Sometimes the Maharal, he's one of the greatest uh, you know, thinkers on exactly this. He'll have an insight, and I you know, put a call out on the side where you can see the similarity between the words. So the easiest thing to do is the Parshas Shavua book, because people like to pick that up. Oh, what, am I say? what does the Maharal say this week? And, or you can take, take another Sefer, and call a kavod to the people that have done that. I wanted a system that really gives people a taste of what the Maral has added because he has so many svarim. If I've, if I've done my job, you'll go out and then learn Maral. If I haven't, then you'll have had a nice time and, you know, be another book on the shelf. But um, I'm excited about it. And uh, It just came out Maral tight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just uh, not too long ago, about September time. So uh, once again, available in all Jewish bookstores. And uh, I appreciate the rabbi bringing this to me and I look forward to studying it and getting a tam. And uh, we have a minhag, Rabbi Baron, which is a final message for our broader audience. I thought you were going to say l'chaim. <laughs> it's not a bad idea, by no. the way. Maybe we should, uh, we'll speak to the powers that be over here. A final message for the audience. So I, w- I want to end with something on Lashon HaKadosh that I think is the most relevant message for us. So we're called Yisrael. Yes. Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael. Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael. And I want to share with you the in, a fantastic insight that I heard from my Rebbe Zetzal, my Shapiro Zetzal, um, many times. And it's also partially based on Amaral and also, as well as the Ramami Fano. There's a statement of Rav Yechen ben Zakkai, Ashrechem Yisrael. Now, the context of the statement is as follows. After the Churban Beis Amikish, after the destruction of the Temple, Rav Yechen ben Zakkai is walking outside the ruins of Jerusalem. And everything is a shambles. And he sees a woman who can't even, you know, clothe herself properly. And she's, she's hungry and she's begging. And he sees her going through the, the droppings of, of the local um, Ishmaelites' animals. They're donkeys. And she's pulling the barley corns out to eat. She's, she's so hungry that she, she's pulling out the food that even a a donkey couldn't digest wow. for her to eat. Abject poverty. So she goes and she sees Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and she says, Rabbi Parnasani, help me out. Give me food. And he says, who are you? She said, don't you remember me? I was the richest girl in Rishonai. Yeah. I'm the daughter of Nakdimon ben Gurion. You're at my wedding. You signed in my ksuba an exorbitant amount of money. And the Gemara describes what happens to the family. And now look at me. And then at that moment, Rebbe's there with his Talmidim and he gets philosophical. And he says, Ashrechem Yisrael, praiseworthy are you, Yisrael. When you do Hashem's will, no nation, no nation or language can rule over you. But when you don't do Hashem's will, you are below even the animals of those people that she was picking the barley corns from. Now, the Maral asks, and others do as well, 
I get praiseworthy are you Jewish people, because when you are doing Hashem's will, you're on high. But this is a distributive Ashrechem Yisrael. That praiseworthy are you is when you're not doing Hashem's will, you are nothing. What does that mean? So to answer it, I want to show you the, the, the uh, inside of the Ramami Fano. So in Lashon HaKodesh, you probably thought, you've heard of different ways of combining letters. There's the most famous one, which is Atbash, right? The Aleph, the first letter corresponds to the last letter. Saf, right? Bez and Shin. There's another one called Albam, where you split the letters in half. And again, these are all the Svarmakdashim, Sefer Not that I understand the stuff. <laughs> I'm repeating what I heard from my rabbis. So Aleph re- corresponds to Lamed, right? Because you split the Aleph base in half, and then you start with saying that. Bez to Mem. So in, in this album construct, because there are 22 letters, you have a set of 10, and the lowest one, you begin with the, well, Aleph Lamed is at one end, and at the other end, right, the 10th letter is Yud, and then you have Shin. So the progression goes to Yud Shin, which is the highest as you progress, and the lowest is Aleph Lamed. And if you think about it, that makes sense because Al means low, which means nothing. Right. And Yesh means there is. Because I'll even talk about Yesh being the word of the number of worlds that the Talmidei Chachamim, the Torah scholars will inherit. Shai Olamos, that Hashem will, will uh, another topic. So Al is nothing and Yesh is something. Right. And in the word Yisrael, you have Yesh on one end, and you have Al in the, not, the other end. In the middle, you have the letter Resh. Resh could mean two things. It can mean Rosh. Resh is like Florida. It's the swing state. <laughs> it can mean Rosh, or it can mean Rosh. Rosh means the head, the top. Rosh can mean lowly, the pauper. Ula Rosh in kol. The Rosh has nothing. And that's where the Jewish people are. The, the Shevach, the praise of Rabbi Yochum is exactly like this. You Jews do not have a mediocre option. If you're doing Hashem's will, you are up. And if you're not, it'll never work for you. And you will be under all of the nations and you will never, ever succeed no matter how you try. And you'll defy all the rules of physics and logic and economics. There's no reason why we have so much pain throughout history. Because it is a zero sum. Because Hashem loves us so much. He said... You Jewish people, you're either yesh or you're al, but you're never in the middle. So if I had one message to leave everybody with, is that we live in a society where it's tempting to be mediocre. It's easy to get by. It's even easy to eat kosher, go to synagogue, and you know, learn a little. But that's not what we're about. We're about running all the way, full speed. That's our name. That's what Yisrael is. And now, at the time of the birth of the nation, Yitziat Mitzrayim, we're leaving Egypt. We're born. What we need to learn at this time is not to be mediocre. We either have to be everything or we risk being absolutely nothing. Rabbi Daniel Baron Shlita, what a what an inspiration, what a Torah talk, what a final message. Love it, love it, love it very, very much. Very apropos for this time of year, Pesach. And uh, we shall all go to greater heights. Amen. Go big or go home, as they say. <laughs> 
But uh, uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, Pesach and the holy language. Uh, once again, Itesa Ma'ara. We encourage everyone to uh, get a copy uh, before they sold out. Baruch Hashem, very, very, very popular. And uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us for yet another Torah Talk. Uh, every Tuesday night, Chazak Torah Talks, uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Chazak.org uh, slash live. Thank you to all the platforms that are hosting our programs. Thank you to Torah Anytime. Thank you to Daily Giving. A dollar a day goes very, very far away. Thank you to the whole staff of here and team, uh, Robbie and Mayor and Nathan A and Nathan B and Izzy and everyone else. And, uh, and thank there. you to all you do because I, I grew up here and, and Chazak has transformed Queens. I, uh, you know, from my father, I, I hear the behind scenes stuff and the mysterious nefesh, um, you know, of everybody here is, is inspiring and incredible. And, you know, you, you, you folks, <laughs> you're bringing Baron the geula. <laughs> we should not only see, but we should bring the geula like Rabbi Baron said. And uh, we should uh, see the geula. Amen. Amen. Amen.